Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Daily French Show. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Michael Morris. Michael, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Nick. I hope you're all well, too. Nice to see you, Herman. I am I'm pretty good. Uh, and of course, Mr. Herman Pretorius. Herman, how are you? I am well. I'm well. I must say, it's sort of a, it's a weird position in Pretoria. Uh, because this morning I woke up and I thought, oh, it's such a lovely sunny day and I'm slightly freezing now. So I, I'm either ill or I need to move. Yes, this is the long prophesized late uh, last, uh, mm. uh, the, the cold snap of the year. Hopefully, hopefully, um, touch wood. But anyway, you know, um, okay, the, let us get into about The interesting thing about, you know, in, in our line of work, there's what we call snap elections, not cold snaps. But I once had a spectacular joke where someone said, <laughs> Theresa May experienced a snap cold front and she lost it. Uh, so I just thought that was quite, quite neat. Well, you've just given me the great segue of, speaking of snap elections, the DA in Joburg has called for a uh, fresh set of elections in Johannesburg to break what they, are, what they believe is the dysfunction. Um, there was supposed to be a motion of no confidence brought by Action SA uh, in the leadership of of, um, of Johannesburg today, I think, but I think it was withdrawn this morning. Um, however, the DA says that they're going to put a motion to council which would seek the dissolution of uh, the council, which will force fresh elections in Johannesburg to be held. Um, after two years have passed, it's legally permissible to begin dissolving a council through a motion of council. Uh, so the, uh, the DA's um, uh, Gauteng chairperson, Fred Nile, mm -hmm. said, the reason that the DA pro proposes this drastic step is the instability and the mess in Johannesburg can only be resolved by going back to the voters to give a fresh mandate in order to elect a government that will promote stable government in Johannesburg. We call on other parties to support amendment to this motion. Um, so I think about this, and I think this is a pretty good idea. Uh, it's an interesting, it will be an interesting barometer of where the country is at. And I think the anti-ANC opposition has a very big opportunity to maybe strike a bit of success here. If they don't manage to get through something like this, um, then Johannesburg is going to be in a very bad state for the next couple of years. But Herman, firstly, do you think that this is at all feasible? Do you think they will be able to get enough votes through council? And secondly, do you agree with me that it's probably a good idea? What are your thoughts? I think it's most definitely a good idea for the sole expedient that um, there are no other ideas. Um, there are sometimes election results that are so cruelly con uh, you know, constituted um, that stable governance becomes really, really difficult. Now, to right. say I mean, the voter... Israel had that experience, right? They had like, what, four or five elections in the space of two years? Yes. Yeah, I, I think it was... Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact figure, but it, it, it was <clears> like <throat> how, you know, you know it's a Monday when Israel announces a new election. It, it, it really came to that point where... Um, and, and one doesn't want to get into voter blaming. This isn't about blame, but it is about responsibility. And the two are similar and perhaps sometimes indistinguishable but they are different. It is the responsibility of the voter to own, to a certain extent, the consequences of the democratic choice, whatever that choice might be, not to vote, to vote, or, or whatever. 
the DA, I mean, has a lot of criticism to level at it, really, a substantial amount. But they cannot realistically be expected to, in a city like Johannesburg, get 20%, 27% or whatever percent of the vote and then fix the city. That is not how electoral power works. It's not how <clears throat> democracy works. Now, these things are sometimes quite intangible, um, you know, what is political power and so on. But the two years have been enough to illustrate that the, um, the numbers in the Johannesburg City Council does, they, they simply do not stack up. So when you've tried various iterations of governance, various blocks, coalitions, agreements, and you can't get to a point of stable governance, at the end of the day, at some point, you have to get to a point where you throw it back to the voter and say, look, what you decided two years ago have proven unworkable. And then it is your responsibility to make a new choice. So even if that is only for the DA or whatever to explain to voters that their decisions have consequences, I think this is good. Now, is it a feasible? I, I don't know. I, I actually haven't looked at the, 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 the council makeup. Um, so I don't have the exact numbers with me, but the, well, the question uh, so is, is, it, is it, am I correct in saying it's just a simple majority needed to, to dissolve the council? In which case they need either the PA or the EFF, I suppose, to support the motion. So yes. is that likely? It's, it is really impossible to say um, in the sense that investigating why the EFF might go with or against the EFF might go with such a motion because they need to show political muscle, uh, especially to the ANC. They need to show that they still count. And this is an opportunity for them to exert that power and say, you know, we can make you rise or fall and we will support this motion against you, even if it is just to remind you that you need us. They won't support it because it might actually be a terrible result for them. They aren't polling well, not nationally and not in Gauteng. So this might actually give the their opponents, the DA and the Action and so on, the power that the EFF really doesn't want them to have. So they could go really genuinely either way. The PA can also go either way. On the one hand, they have worked with the ANC in Beaufort Race, in Johannesburg. But Gaten McKenzie has recently, you know, there's been... Again, talk of him ditching the ANC in favor of the multi-party charter. So he can either go with the ANC to up his political value for the multi-party charter to make overtures to him to get him on board for 2024, or he can go with the other opposition parties like the DA and Action SA to show the ANC that he has negotiating leverage and that they need to do more to include him in any 2024 plans. So it really is, I mean, it really is on a knife edge. And the sad thing is I don't, I, I, I don't really see a significantly dif different result unless, 
unless the DA action is a Freedom Front Plus ACDP manage to use this dissolution, if it goes through, as a test run for 2024. A tumultuous Johannesburg election for all council seats where there's tension and fractures and, and friction between the multi-party charter parties will be an absolute disaster for this moonshot pact alignment. It will be the first opportunity they have. And there are some significant questions to ask. If this dissolution goes through, will the charter be contesting this election as this pre-election pact? Will this pre-election pact supersede any previous coalition agreement or negotiations? Will these parties, unlike at a provincial and a national level, um, allow opponents uh, to have easier goes in specific wards by not putting up candidates in wards that you know either the DA or the IFP or Action is A might win. It's a complex thing, and it is an early taster of the type of mature politics that must land within the next five to ten years in South Africa, and the voter bears a responsibility in whether that lands. So I think if there was a new election in Johannesburg, it would actually become probably one of the more dramatic uh, things in the lead up to the big elections next year, because it would really be this, it's supposed to, you know, if this motion passes, the election needs to be held within 90 days, um, which I think the IEC would complain about quite bitterly. And it would be a real uh, test of exactly everything you talked about. You know, this would be the prelude to the national elections, and it would also be a key test of the sort of infrastructure of the various parties in in how well they can actually turn out people for this election, uh, Michael. What do you make of what do you make of this? Do you agree that this might be a good idea to get Johannesburg kind of working again? Mm, I, I absolutely do, um, and you know it's it, it's 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 quite uh, instructive to be viewing all this from the outside in a sense, from a city where there is a a, a pretty solid uh, well very solid administration. Uh, witness uh, lately, the, you know the 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 recent uh, uh, confrontation between the mayor and the taxi industry. Um, quite measured, sensible, uh, publicly accountable. It was quite uh, quite impressive, really, to see how uh, Jordan Hill Lewis was willing constantly to be on the media, in the media, uh, on television, saying, "This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it." You, you know, we we we're doing it because we want better outcomes and so on. This is actually the the visible good government um, in. In, in in a in a in at local government level in the city, um, and there's no reason why Gauteng Johannesburg shouldn't be exactly the same. One often has these days a sense of this quite pervasive despondency that people have, um, and it almost as if it, it it it's become a sort of inevitability. People can begin to imagine that this is just what we have to accept. This is this is our fate. No, it isn't at all. And I think Herman is exactly right. It, you know, voters do also need to come to the party and think about their role in changing the conditions in which they live, the material conditions that are becoming uh, unsustainable and 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 hugely burdensome for them. Um, and the contrast again is with us in the Cape. We 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 have plenty of problems. The 
there's still a great deal of uh, of work to be done to to lift people out of uh, out of poverty and out of out of deprivation and so on. Um, but one does have a sense of an administration that is working on these things, that is focused on them, and that has the space to do that. And partly that is because the voters have given them the space to say, right, you go with it. Uh, you don't need to worry about your government falling apart. Uh, we want to see results. Um, and for all the faults of the of the DA, I think Herman's quite right. They, you know, they, they, it, it it has a lot to answer for. It is nevertheless here in the Western Cape we have a very good illustration of what it can do. It good clean governance, um, sticking pretty much to its principles, looking for opportunities to expand the scope for. Uh, improvements in people's lives, um, uh, and it's, it's exactly what what South Africa needs. And what the effect it has, I think, is to is to free uh, people to to be agents in their own well being and so on. To it does make the whole of society uh, just that much more um, sort of actively engaged in improving their own lives. Um, so yeah, I would say it's it's definitely something worth doing for uh, for Johannesburg. Um, um, final, if, if, yeah. final thought on this is um, the the DA is pushing heavily uh, for registration, voter registration. And that's very important because the differential turnout for next year's elections will be key in places like Gauteng and Kuzan-Natal. And the deliberate push to get more people registered, to build in that advantage before election day is vitally important. And this is where party infrastructure and machinery and organization really becomes important. Can the party not only get its supporters to sympathize or align themselves with it personally, or on social media, or in a broader social context, but can they get them to actually do the administrative task of checking whether you're registered, going to register at the right place, so that on election day, you can actually pitch up. So to anyone living in Johannesburg and watching this, I really would advise you to take this seriously. And if this election comes down, the question should no longer for South African citizens be, what is this or that political party going to do about the state of democracy? I don't know if it's a thing in other South African cultures, but in Africana culture, it's very much a thing. You don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics, and you don't talk about rugby. And that has to change. We have to talk about rugby. No, I'm kidding. We have to get over this idea that politics is a nutter versus supper, um, joiner versus hens up a type of dis debate that qualifies as the basis for social censure. We have to get to a point to understand that local <clears throat> politics is immensely pragmatic. It isn't about economic policy in the massive sense. It is about who what's the best way to get refuse collection working? And we must build in that respect <clears throat> that someone voting for a different party 
can have a discussion with you about why they are voting for that party without the prejudice of going, ah, so you're a lackey for that or that. You've got this and this baggage, therefore. And we must be able to start having conversations with colleagues, with friends, with family members, with people we work with, people who work in our homes or in whose homes we work, to say that this is an important thing for us. The, the excuse that politics is, in the very British way, not done in human <laughs> relations is a luxury South Africa can't afford. It really has to get to a point where it's acceptable to talk about politics, to encourage someone to get registered. And when they say, oh, I'm not going to vote for the party you're going to vote for, not to hold it against them, but actually allow that space to say, look, local politics of all sorts of politics is really pragmatic. Who can get the bins here and away on time? If Johannesburg wants to see democratic engagement of a constructive mm -hmm. nature, it's going to come down to that sort of individual level of have you met your neighbors? Have you considered asking them whether they're registered to vote? And have you considered trying perhaps to convince them to vote for a party that you think form part of the solution, even if it is not your party? Yeah, I think there's a key thing. I, sorry, Nick. I just wanted to add. I just happened to notice Andre's comment in the in the uh, in the comment section. Good clean governance is the goal. Factions within factions are the reality, and that that certainly is the risk. Um, but I think it, it and it, it bears out Herman's point too that that a declining city has nothing to reward parties or representatives. Um, ultimately, you want to have a city that is that is working that parties and representatives can say this is something I've done and so on people will reward them there's a relationship at the, at the, at, uh, in, in, in the polls at the ballot box um, so it's it, you know it's not simply a question of, of saying it's wishful thinking it is actually it's a very practical um, possibility that uh, that can be encouraged can be worked on parties can work on it so there is reason I think for optimism and in a way Michael it's what we have um, mm. It, mm. it is the mechanism mm. that we have at our disposal. Uh, one can yeah. decry and criticize the mechanism, but that's no excuse to sit <clears> back <throat> and say the bucket I wanted to use the douse the fire was leaky. Well, yeah, yep. that's one way you can, but good yeah. luck with getting those flames out. Yeah, yeah. All right, let us move on to our next topic. And this is some comments made by Police Minister Beggy Pele, uh, who while speaking at the funeral of a police officer who was killed in the line of duty um, in, in Schweizerenica, actually, uh, on Sunday, uh, pleaded with police to, what he said, don't die with the resources we have given you, act first. Uh, he said, be vigilant and operationally ready to act in any circumstances. If force is required, it must at all times be necessary, reasonable and proportional. I plead with you, don't die with the resources and tools we have given you. Um, you must be the first to act. Now, when uh, when you kind of read the whole thing, it's like, okay, you know, he does include some important qualifiers in this necessary, reasonable, and proportional, uh, which is correct. But this does sound an awful lot like, you know, you could kind of get the vibe of what I think he was trying to say, <laughs> which is um, a lot like a lot of things that other South African police uh, uh, ministers have said over the years about, uh, I think it was um, uh, Fikile Mbalula, who 
spent some time in police um, saying that you must crush the balls of criminals. Uh, I can't remember which politician it was, but one of them said um, that you must shoot to kill. Uh, so uh, this is a bit of moderation. I don't know, Michael, what do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, a combination of things, really, isn't it? Um, we do, of course, want um, want the police to be acting, you know, strictly according to need and reasonableness and proportionality. Um, but there is this sort of odd thing, don't die with the resources and tools that we've given you. Um, I, I was I, just thinking of, of, of kind of where this problem arises or maybe originates. I was just thinking of Tabo Mbeki's comments last week at the at the uh, University of South Africa, where among the many things that he that he said and he commented um, notably on on our CEO John Endress's briefing to the Cato Institute in Washington uh, last month. That's a, a separate issue. But one of the things that Mbeki addressed was this this question of the ranking in the police service having been changed from when he was president from the the civilian style superintendent or, or commissioner to the military style brigadiers, generals, colonels, and so on. Um, and he made the point, you know, that the policing is a is actually a civilian affair. It's not a it's not a military one. And we've tended, because of the seriousness of our crime, we've tended to shift to thinking that we need actually to tackle this with the kind of the notions of warfare in our heads that we you know it's a war on crime and we've got to you know we've got to as you say ministers talk about crushing balls and then shooting to kill and so on um but what that i think is obscuring is the real problems in the policing in, in policing in south africa not to do with the the level of or the you know inadequate force that's brought to bear against this awful criminal problem but all the clever stuff the smart stuff the Pointing the right people, the skilling people, training them properly, um, <clears throat> making them accountable, it's, as we've repeatedly said, to, at, at local levels, ensuring that communities invested in the local police station by giving them an opportunity to say who who is appointed as the as the station commander, and so on. All these things we want criminal intelligence to be independent professional we want uh, i mean gun licensing we've seen those extraordinary photographs of the i forget the, the name of the office now but the office where licenses are meant to be uh, meant to be processed where the, the piles of paper on the floor apparently so so big that the floor is actually caving in this is all unprocessed so we've got these you know people who are really wanting to be law-abiding citizens and 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 are literally being denied the opportunity because of the uh, of the the rank inefficiency of this particular process so it yeah it you know behind these these grand comments is a, a pathology which is actually not being addressed i think that's that's really a problem <clears throat> i agree with that very much um and it's a very common sentiment in south africa which is i think uh you know, what's interesting about this is Pele, I think, says these things because they are popular. It's a comment on mm -hmm. one of our videos the other day saying, why can't why can't the police torture people to get the information? I think this is related yeah. to Pepita Diokran's murders. Um, so it is a it is a real mm -hmm. force in our society, but it isn't actually mm -hmm. what is needed to fix the police. What's no. needed to fix the police mm -hmm. is efficiency and a lack of mm -hmm. corruption. And mm -hmm. you can go 90% of the way before you start talking about, you know, Shooting to kill. I forgot that it was actually Begit Pele upon being appointed police commissioner who said shoot to kill. 
<laughs> back in the day. So his comments yeah. now are actually yeah. a moderation, and I suppose that they're moderated yeah. because he, yeah, he, you know, he got such a stinging rebuke after that last one. Um, in fact, he said that he wanted the law to be changed back in 2009 to allow the police to, quote, shoot to kill. Um, Herman, you had some thoughts on, on the police minister's comments here. Yeah, no, it, <clears throat> this sentiment of, of, uh, of, of his really almost cost South Africa uh, something quite embarrassing, and that was when uh, Shrein Diwani was um, accused for the murder of his, of, of, of his wife. Uh, must have been about 10 years ago now. Um, and in a public remark, uh, Taylor was then national commissioner for, for, for South African police, um, called Diwani, I think, a monkey or, or something like that. Uh, and Diwani's lawyers in the UK argued that he shouldn't be extradited to South Africa prosecution because he won't get a fair trial because, look, the governing the government has already prejudged his case uh, uh, as him being a monkey. Now, there are many questions about Taylor's temperamental suitability for the role. But what stood out to me about this entire discussion is something that Michael actually spoke about, and something that's poetically quite ironic, is that the South African police went from the South African police force to the South African police service as part of the constitutional changeover. And yet, today we sit in a situation where the failures of the police are suggested not to be solved by service, but by force. And we saw with the Mashatile incident a few weeks ago, that was again not was force, not service. And the idea that a problem, a societal problem, can be solved by power is, I think, one of the most toxic bits of Leninism, socialism, communism, Marxism, is that given enough power, if we just centralize enough power in a place to move this lever, we can change societal attitudes. And I think that's just fundamentally wrong. I'm not trying to be a liberal in the, oh, don't use force sense. I'm trying to be a liberal in the sense that we have to acknowledge human nature. Human nature is about right. what is incentivized. Um, and the problem here is that as long as we have a government that thinks crime can be solved by force, you might have a populist soundbite. It might sound okay, but you're never going to get anywhere. And I'm, mm. I'm loath to quote Tony Blair, but he was right when, he's, when his campaign slogan was tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime. Unle un until South Africa understands that the causes of crime should receive tougher sanction than, as it were, the outworking. We'll try symptomatic treatment without actually bringing a cure. The causes of crime in South Africa is the devaluation of human rights, individual dignity, property rights, bad schooling, bad family structures, the legacy of a gangsterism where young men get their uh, fraternal uh, uh, acknowledgement and validation, um, weak accountability mechanisms in our societies when it comes to the ability of parents, churches, and so on to actually take control of education. And, and so all of this comes down to, are we going to make the right diagnosis of our societal problem 
so that when we apply force, I'm not saying hug people into rehabilitation, but are we going to go to the trouble of understanding the causes of crime so that we can be tough on crime with an actual right. outward? Yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing at all wrong with, with the use of uh, force as long as it, is, as it is disciplined, directed, and is according to the law. Yeah. Uh, and what we have seen far too much in this country is um, incidences where the police don't do that. They, um, yeah. you know, there's people like Collins Causa who were murdered by uh, soldiers, yes, but where, where people, uh, where the police don't actually f use the restrained, disciplined use of force, but it's kind of like, it's more like vigilantism or cowboy kind of and, uh, and there's something and that quite... just degrades the rule of law further uh, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't enhance it and there's something quite disgusting about the assumption built into that is assuming that people will be decent and law abiding only if they are frightened enough of <clears throat> men with guns apartheid tried that east berlin tried that you don't get societal coherence progress, welfare, reconciliation, law and order, if you think that you can intimidate people into doing what you want them to do. It's not about intimidation. And as long as we have this idea that enough force will win the war on crime, we're not going to get anywhere. It is, it is far deeper than that. That's not to negate, as you say, force, but it is more important to actually understand what is causing this epidemic of crime rather than just thinking you can ibuprofen someone to health. Right. And if we, you know, if we can complete investigations without having the evidence thrown out of court because the police made a mistake, that that would be nice too. <laughs> you know, you yeah. don't need to shoot everyone if you just do the investigation properly uh, and send people actually to jail. Anyway, um, but, that is all the time we have. Oh, go ahead, Michael. I was just for one very final thought, something I, I feel strongly about with so many of these things, is that the greatest service that all of this does to those cops, the nurses, the officials who, who we know are devoted, are good, they get up in the morning, go to work with a clear idea of what their job is, they do it as, as best they can. We do have them. They are still in South Africa, and unfortunately, it's, 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 it's to their great disservice that we see this kind of stuff happening. Um, and um, and it, I think it's worth remembering that we, we can still, there are still people we can count on, um, and they are being let down very, very badly by bad political leadership of these kinds of departments. No, definitely. Always worth remembering. Um, okay, uh, just before we close, uh, we didn't have time to cover it today, but I would like to recommend a opinion piece written by Justice Malala. Um, the headline is, we want a strong leader, not someone of a certain hue, where he makes a case for non-racialism in the selecting of the country's leader. We might cover it later in the week, um, depending on how things go, but uh, definitely worth reading if you can. I think it's on News24. Okay, um, thank you very much for listening. We hope you found the show interesting, and we will be back on uh, tomorrow with the Daily Friend Show. Cheers.